Welcome to Australian Music Podcasts, or AMP for short, produced by Hugh and Rod with Joe and Luke to provide histories and critiques of the first 50 years of Australia's sometimes progressive, other times just peculiar rock and pop music. In the podcast, we discuss a particular stream or genre of music and then also present our own musical tribute as we celebrate on all that's good and very occasionally bad in Australian music. So, Rod, today's a rather broad category for uh, within a series of pop and rock and roll podcasts because the category is pop. So, but that sort of connotes the fact that it's their chart successes, you know, their big songs, songs that had almost international appeal. With In big fact, hooks. Yeah, with very big hook lines. So why don't we start, why not choose a good period? Let's start in the mid-60s. Let's start in the mid-60s. We'll go back to the 50s later, to call it a phrase. You know? But, that, but I, think, I think the, mid, the, the 60s were the golden age of, of, of Ozpop. Is when it, when yeah, it the really sales blew. really started yeah. happening for Australian yeah. bands then. Now, you've chosen a really good song that you heard a demo of. Now... With, with great songwriters matched with a great singer that was to become a great songwriter. Tell us about Johnny Young. Well, it was Johnny Young, real name Johnny De Jong, was a Dutch-Australian Dutch hmm. Coincidentally, singer. like two of the Easy Beats. Like two of the Easy Beats. And um, it, it, he was, I think he was, he was 17 or something. He was already a, run, a, running a TV show in Perth. Very ambitious, put a little band together. And um, when the Easy Beats toured Perth, they, um, they were the support band. And so we got chatting to... To George and uh, and Stevie, because yep. you will remember that the the songwriters in the Easy Beats in the early days weren't Vander and Young at all. It was it was Wright and Young. Yep. And the, and um, he convinced them to write a song for him. And George said, "Well, we've we've got a song we're working on. Might suit you. Come round to the hotel tomorrow." So he turned up at the hotel at seven o'clock in the morning, very enthusiastically, and opened the door to be confronted by six naked teenage girls. Apparently, you know. So obviously, no work had been done on the song. Like Stevie. Stevie rushed off to finish, finish the lyrics and the song was Step Back. Okay, so it's in fact an early Easy Beats song that the Easy Beats maybe never recorded? There's only a demo of them which was apparently released on a later, in later years as okay. a, a series of Easy Beats demos. All right, well, it's, gee, it sounds like they're playing on it too, doesn't it? It does sound like they, yeah, may, yeah. Won't, may, they may well be. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard one to nail down that. But it sure made Johnny Young's career. Actually, it was a it was it was a double A side, wasn't it? Because it was also with Carolyn, wasn't it? Yeah, with the with the various this the various different spellings. Yeah, pretty yeah. as a picture. Yeah, none of them correct spellings. No, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so the, yes, it was a double A side with, with with Carolyn, Carolyn, and the hand clap one. The that's hand right. One, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's have a listen to Step. Back. And Johnny, yeah, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Young, of course, went on to be to to become a a great Ooh. songwriter himself. Yeah, we couldn't uh, get him off our TV screens in the seventies or eighties, could we? Couldn't even change the channel without seeing him. Um, okay, and great man that he is, and he a great advocate for Australian music. Let's hear "Step Back" by Johnny Young. Next up is quite a similar setup in that there's a pop star 
you know, a burgeoning, whose career is burgeoning, he's already becoming a bit of a songwriter, and that's Ronnie Burns. Now, the record company and he enlisted three of the great songwriters of all time very early on in the career. We're talking about 1967 here. You know, real young buggers. And who are we talking about here, We're Rod? talking about the Gibb brothers. Okay, and they wrote Coal Man for Ronnie Burns. Now, Ronnie Burns was a more... Uh, Beatlesque sounding figure than Johnny Young. Now, what was the name of his band? His, his band was called the Flyers. Yes, you know? well, he was yeah. Beatles influence or insect like influence. cockroaches or the mosquitoes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's, a, it's a great pop number, isn't it? And it, it really set uh, Ronnie Burns's career up as a songwriter and singer. And a singer, and he's still going today. He's an, he's an elder of Australian pop music. He's, been, yeah. he's worked with uh, Russell Morris. and uh, Well, he did those great tours, you know, often with Jim Keyes, Russell Morris, Daryl Cotton, Cotton, Cotton yeah, everyone, which yeah. have been such a, a, a great part of the entertainment of the 90s and 2000s. Um, and, yeah, R- Ronnie is a fine charitable fellow as well, and, of course, with, with quite a famous sporting uh, offspring as well. Anyway, very good bloke by all accounts and a great singer, and here's Coal Man by Ronnie Burns. I tell my troubles to the cold man He's a cold man, but he understands He's not such a very, very old man He's a soul man, and he takes my hand He makes a man feel good when he's down Yeah, he's touching the ground He's gonna help you if he can He's a cold What a lovely song that is. Yeah, isn't it just? It um, really sounds a little bit birdsish with the uh, 12-string air. Really nice influence. Um, Lynn Randell, who we're going to chat about, had a most interesting career. Um, she actually was on this famous tour that you and I have discussed before <laughs> because we it, it was at real odd. Because just tell us about this tour because it had the monkeys as the head act, but who was supporting? Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Was it the Jimi Hendrix experience, I suppose? That's it right. Was. No, it was no, the Jimi no, Hendrix. No, Mitch, you know. Yeah, that's right touring and supporting the monkeys, which is one of the oddest lineups I've ever heard. What I've also read was that she actually performed with Jimi Hendrix. Now, the mind boggles as to what Lynn Randell, the singer of the next song, Chow Baby, a lovely little yeah. pop song, what she was doing on stage with I Jimi Hendrix. I would have loved to heard Hendrix guitar solos during Chow Baby. <laughs> um, I also know from the tune was Ike and Tina Turner, so that's also a bit of competition, uh, competition for dear old Lynn. Look, Lynn had a, a, a really interesting, uh, great career, long through Australian music, because after she retired from singing, she was um, Molly's personal secretary, that's personal right. assistant. She, she wrote for Go Set magazine. Yes, yeah, great on, friend on, of Stan Roth, that's and, right. And on the aforementioned tour, she, mm. she kept a diary of the tour, which okay. I'd love to get hold of sometimes. Yeah. You, get the, you can dig out your old go sets. Yeah. Go well, set, by the way. Yes. For, does anyone remember go set? I mean, everyone from our age must remember. It was yeah, a, I think we remember go set, more a Melbourne-based magazine, yeah. then Ram opened mm. up in Sydney with Anthony and uh, Anthony O'Grady. And it was a fantastic thing, Go Set, wasn't it? Stan Rope, I think, was the was, was the Stan guy. Rope, Molly writer. Molly wrote for Go Set, of course, yeah. which is which is the connection with the Lynn. So here's here is Miss Mod, nineteen sixty seven, with Chow Baby. Ciao. I should have known you. 
You're listening to AMP, Australian Music Podcasts. If you listen carefully at about 1 minute 32, you can hear Hendrix set fire to his guitar. <laughs> That's right, and smash it over somebody appropriate. Now, now talking of the in, um, intrusion of great guitarists into Australian music, world-famous guitarists, now, Normie Rowe and others have said over the years that on his English sessions, which includes this hit, It's Not Easy, that Jimmy Page was was the guitarist and John Paul Jones was the bass player. So you kind of imagine, you know, everybody listens to It's Not Easy trying to trying to listen to, you know, the the, the great men of Led Zeppelin. And there's nothing uh, there of them at no, all. No, there's nothing. Because... There's no evidence whatsoever, yeah. except that, that Normie insists that happened, so it most probably did, and... It was amongst a great English 36-piece orchestra. That's so right. they're there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. It was recorded at Abbey Road Studios. All right. And, and they were part of the orchestra, along with Big Jim Sullivan, another, okay. not, another well-known... Just remind, do, you, do you remind me who Big Jim Sullivan is? He played in all the biggies, you know? Okay. He was also, in a sort of little trivial little aside, he was also Lord Sitar, oh. who did Sitar versions of 60s pop hits by the Beatles. Was well, fantastic. Fantastic. What, a, but, what um, an extraordinary career. But John, but Norby Rowe, of course, was was he was a teen idol before yeah. before that. Um, he he was called up into the army. He never quite regained his previous teen idol status, no, but he he's didn't. still going today. And yeah, yeah. and he he did an absolutely fine lead in um, uh, Les Miserables. Yeah, Les Miserables. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, okay, here we go. Um, listen out for Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin in Normie Rose. It's not easy. You've actually played uh, in a band with him. I played the piano introduction to that very oh, did song. You? Yeah, fantastic. In, in a band. Uh, look, quite interestingly, the couple that wrote this next song, um, one of them's called Carol King, the Australian Carol King. The Australian Carol King. Yes, well, it's not Carol King, so but she's married to Brian King. Who, uh, the, they, were, they wrote great pop songs. This one is outstanding. <clears throat> However, this one was a, their biggest hit, and it wasn't written by them. It was written by. Co-written anyway by, yeah. by Kenneth Young. Ken, Ken, Kenneth Young, yeah. who wrote, as, as you will all know, he wrote under the boardwalk. Yeah, well, little did many people know that, including me. Um, which is, of course, the Drifters and the Stones. So you know, he had a long career because the Drifters version was way back in the uh, you know early sixties. And he came um, back later too. He came back later with a Kenny Young band. 
Oh, an Australian Countdown. singer. Yeah. Yeah. Countdown with uh, s s s Nusha Fox. Nusha Fox, that's right. His band was Fox, that's right. That's right. Kenny Young's, yeah, that's good. Look, also, in the band is a guy called Ray Burton, who is just so bloody outstanding as a guitarist. Beautiful solo. Oh, he's fantastic. And we'll talk about Ray a bit later because he was more than just a great guitarist. And this song, I mean, when when it came out, people thought it was the Mummers and Puppets. Well, it is. It's it's as good as, I reckon. A very exciting sound. Let's hear My Aim Is To Please You by The Executives. Intros like under the boardwalk. It is rather like it. I wonder. Well, I'm sure it's the. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, what, what an influence. Also, uh, you mentioned at the peak of their career, they had a bit of a TV career. Well, as they well. did. Yeah. And if you get up at five a.m. some morning mm-hmm. and look at little Channel Nine, you might be lucky enough to see them on Skippy. Oh, Skippy! Fantastic. <laughs> oh, look. Anyway, all very successful musicians. You know, at that time, they didn't. Achieve, you know, but whoever does from Australia achieve huge the success that they deserve. We all complain about that. I'm saying, you know, a lot, lot, lot of the great bands complain about it. And the executives, you know, almost burst through and it did lead to Ray Burton having a big career in America, the guitarist. He co-wrote one of the biggest songs, international songs ever by an Australian artist. Helen Reddy. Helen, Helen Reddy. Reddy. We co-wrote with Helen Reddy, I Am Woman. That's right. And I mean, it was her idea to write I Am Woman because, because really, when you think about it, the, the feminist movement and everything, no songs were written about women, about women no, in no, a positive for, way. It was all stand by no, your but man. But she was and, appalled yeah, by the, yeah, the treatment yeah, she yeah. was getting, uh, even as she sung throughout America with a with a moderately successful career. Yeah. Um, so, look, may I say, it's there was a first version done, by the way, uh, for, 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 for a film, um, you know, which made the song moderately successful around the bottom 100, but then the record company decided to re-record it. Now, firstly, there was a bit of controversy about Ray. About who wrote it, yeah. Yes, well, so I, think, I, I think probably, what, according to Ray, she wrote out a whole lot of ideas of lyrics mm. and then he put them, he, he, he wrote some music for it and he consolidated the lyrics. Into and from Helen's side, Helen yeah. says, well, actually, Ray didn't change the lyrics very much. You yeah. know, they're really just essentially mine yeah. and I bought out his right. And, and anyway, but it wasn't too bad. They both respected each other, but they did have a haggle over yeah. Over some royalties at some stage, but it's a very musician written type song. It's got a sort of a, like a nice modulation, well, yeah. upper minor third in the middle eight and stuff like that. It's Ooh, quite. Yeah, you know, I like the sound yeah, of that. Yeah. Uh, what was that phrase again? An upper modulation. It goes up by a minor third for the middle ah, eight. You know, it's good. the kind of. They always call that the arranger's modulation. Yeah, yeah. explain it to me later. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I know what it is, yeah. but I don't actually know. So next time we'll bring a piano mm. in so you can show us. Uh, listen, the band in the studio. They arrived at 9.30 to do the session, apparently, um, uh, but the band had already been there for a while and pre-recorded it, tracked it without her. She was angry about that. However, you, you have to f- forgive the band. that They included 
Jim Horn, Jim Gordon, Leland Sklar, you know, Kathy Deasy, who, who was the backing singer for Kenny Loggins, The Birds and Johnny Rivers. An incredible, incredible session band for, for wow. Helen T. And no wonder it's such a successful song. It, and yeah, yeah, and it was a hugely successful one. It's a beautiful sounding it, song. It, so let's have a listen to Ray Burton and Helen Reddy's I Am Woman. To go back and pretend Cause I've heard it all before And I've been down there on the floor No one's ever gonna keep me down again Well, yes, I'm wise But it's wisdom for the pain Yes, I paid the price But look how much I gained Boy, um, what a recording. That's really well recorded, isn't it? Oh, you know, great, great, great playing. And I understand what you're saying about the modulation now. So anyway, huge. So we, we've got um, a band that just resonates rock and roll, but they traded off the fact that they were about the origins of rock and roll. So tell us a bit about this great song by Old 55. By Old 55. Because I've chosen the wrong song. Yeah, yeah well... well We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> so don't tell me about that in the slightest. Meanwhile, so, across the Atlantic. Yeah, 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 that's right. Meanwhile, <laughs> off on Mars. <laughs> Shit, eh? Um, Such a lovely way by the group is what we're going to discuss next. Now, the group is quite interesting. There were two phases of them. But just a little story. The group really is almost the rhythm section and backing band for the real thing. Yeah. Yes. Or three of the musicians or four of the musicians were actually the session guys for the real thing. So there'd be Brian Cadd, Don Moody. Don Moody. And um, um, and what's his name? Wright, whose name I can't remember. Um, and oh, there's also the Zoot guitarist, the Roger Zoot Hicks. Guitarist, yeah. yeah, that's right. So anyway, but most substantial. This is the second version of the group, but it gave them their biggest hits. So Brian Cadd went on to become so famous. Become a hugely famous songwriter. And I think the first song he ever wrote, which was the, the single before this, was Woman, You're Breaking Me was the first big hit for the group, and, the first, and that sort of got him on, on the road. And I'm pretty sure he wrote this. I can't find any anywhere to verify that, but I'm pretty sure they, they wrote this song. And it's a great, I mean, listen, listen to the lead line at the start of the song played on the bass. Oh, it, it's fantastic. It's just, and, and, of course, Don Moody, I think, has switched from guitar to bass for this. So right. he plays it so fantastically at the beginning. It's uh, a great track. Knockout song from 1968, The Group, Such a Lovely Way.
sight I'd wish you'd stay all night Such a lovely way, such a lovely way You're listening to Australian Music Podcasts with Rod and Hugh. Just a couple of things. Um, that bass line is fantastic. It, it, I might be getting mixed up between the first and second lineup. There was also a guy called Max Ross on bass, and Richard Wright was the guy on drums and also backing vocals. Right. So, so, but what, what a fantastic sound. It's a really good production. You, you isn't love it? that yeah, bass yeah. riff, don't you? It's yeah. fantastic. And the whole bass, the bass playing through the through, through the whole song is great too. It really holds it together. Oh. Anyway, that's the group, and I remember that from my youth so, so fantastically. Uh, yeah, anyway, Melbourne, born and bred, the whole bang lot of them, and uh, yeah. right in there, the scene with Molly well, and the whole whole bunch. Private school boys, the first the first really? lot, you know, and the Wisley, Wisley College Trio, or something they were called. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, they were a bit folky in those days, mm. weren't they? That's right. Now we're going to go back to the 50s, aren't we? We are going back to the 50s via the 70s. Yes, because they're a yeah. 70s band yeah. and they're called... They're called Old 55. The yes. name, of course, came from a Tom Waits song. Um, they, were, they were kind of created by, by, by Glenn Baker. Yeah, um, they, Baker. They, were a, um, they started out as a little wine bar band called Fennis, playing, around the, playing at the Cronulla Wine oh, Bar. Fennis, F-A-N-I-S. Don't ask me where they got the name from. I'll never know. Okay. But um, they were just playing Cream covers by Cream and Credence and so on. Right. You know? But then they 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 got together with Glenn Baker. They hit on the idea of doing a, a 50s revival band, possibly inspired by Sha Na Na. And um, they were they were amazingly successful. They had a very kind of cheeky lead singer in Freaky Joe Holden. They had they had, they had um, a kind of camp factor to appeal to the students. They had a nostalgic factor to appeal to. The the older generation of mm-hmm. rock and rollers, they had like a novelty factor to appeal to the to the kids, um, and they were hugely successful as a fifties revival act for a while. But we're not going to listen to that that era. We're going to is go. It, is it true that you're accompanying them on stage at some stage in the future? I think I might be playing keyboards with them when they redo their later album. Ah, excellent! Yeah, I look yeah, forward to that yeah. tour, in which will be heavily publicised. Throughout the national media, of course. Now, if this is a great song you've chosen. Now, tell us about Phase Two of the band. Well, Phase Two of the band. I mean, Frankie Holden and Wilbur Wilde. Although they, I mean, they've, they've now gone on to, to Frankie especially as a huge career as an actor mm. and and a, and a TV host and whatever. But um, and they, Wilbur, Wilbur's you know, a great TV celebrity. TV uh, celebrity, uh, hey, hey, Saturday and everything. Yeah, yeah. But, but they, in fact, were running in the band for ten or eleven months at the, at the height of their success. Gee. So after they left. Um, Jim Manzi, who had written most of the songs in the first place anyway, um, pursued what his original dream was to be a kind of power pop band in the in the kind of kind of type of type of band like the Ruby News or the oh, yes, okay. or Raspberries or something, you know. Yeah, and so we come up with this great song called "Stay While the Night Is Young," okay, which is a huge, which is a great, well, it's a great pop, pop song, isn't it? It was a huge hit. Well, it's Rockpile, Rockpile Jones. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Who also was the lead singer on what's their other biggest hit, uh, "Looking for an Echo." Surprise, surprise I hardly believe my eyes The girl that I've wanted for so long is here tonight You say you won't be here for long But I can tell you love is gone 
its best. Yeah, no, it was it was great and so remarkably different from their nostalgia mm. rock and roll. Mm. And may I say, Jim Manzi did a brilliant job. I assume at Albert Studios in King Street and gave it a great sound, didn't he? Well, Jim went on to become a producer at yeah, Albert's. Yeah, 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 yeah. House producer. He's a great producer. Producing the choir boys. And... Mm. Speaking of, um, and I hope I've got the right one this time, but speaking of bands that became great producers, we now have, uh, you know, Clive Shakespeare uh, and Garth Porter uh, as songwriting and co-producing partners for Sherbet. Now, in the mid-70s, by the mid-70s, they still hadn't actually had a number one hit nationally. As huge as they were. As huge as they were. They were huge already. Uh, you know, and um, Tony Mitchell on bass was also writing, you know, really good, really good songs, and went on to write "How's That" with um, with Garth Porter in later years, which went on to become a, a huge international hit. But their first hit is a substantial work that Clive was the was the dominant songwriting partner in Clive Shakespeare, and it's it, it's a tricky one to play. It's a tricky one to listen to sometimes because it really has got so many different structures to it. Well, we know because we've tried, we've tried to play it. Yeah, and we just stuffed it up entirely. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, not entirely. To, to be we quite frank, up, we stuffed it up partly. <laughs> yeah, is that is that all? Okay. Uh, well, well, most interesting. Um, Inspired but, by but, uh, see you in September, I believe. Oh, quite, really? Quite a time, yeah. He's, oh, I didn't realise See that. you in September. Or will I lose you to a summer love? Oh, gee. And that gave him the idea of the title. Okay. Well, you know, it's got elements of uh, power pop. It's got, you know, little elements of, you know, sort of more artful, you know, art rock in it. Pretty and it's, then it's just got straight teen pop. That's right. A bit of saxophone, a bit of jazz, you yeah. know. A bit, a bit of everything. So let's, of... Give, let's give this one a really good listen, a bit, a bit longer than the other tracks. And it's uh, Summer Love by our dear friend, Clive especially, and the Sherbet Boys, Clive Shakespeare and Sherbet, Summer Love. <laughs> Some reflections on uh, pop music and pop writing after we've just listened to Summer Love. You made an interesting point about the, the structures and complexities of pop sometimes. Well, it suddenly broke out. Australian rock, sort of rock pop music suddenly broke out of the 50s kind of simplicity. Perhaps it was inspired by the Beatles and those, and those new bands, but there's a level of complexity in a lot of these songs and, you know, chord changes and production. Well, I think it's, I think it's yeah. also that rock music itself could have been simpler because it was it, it was from blues, which which was a more standardised and formalised format, whereas pop music could hark back to operetta, operetta and, and all types of That's previous right, and the old, yeah, music hall songs and, and everything, yeah. yeah. So, I yeah. Think so no, no, I think some of these pop songs 
and we have three more at least to do on pop music in Australia, um, you know, pop hits in Australia, I think we're going to come across some very interesting, well-written, well-crafted songs, which, of course, has ended up throwing up some of the world's great songwriters. Speaking of great songwriters, I noticed in our tribute song this week, we have Rodwell, Mr Rod Crundwell himself, uh, has, has done a great number called Pamela, which just fits perfectly into that late 60s, early 70s feel. Is that right, Rod? Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was trying, trying to recreate that. No, 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 it's a great track. Yeah. And, you know, if we had the orchestra here, well, in fact, you've recreated at the very beginning a great little brass section. So let's have a listen to Rodwell and... Pamela. Without Jimmy Page. Without Jimmy Page. Hey Pamela, there's a letter here for you. Do you want me to read it out? Could it be from someone that you knew? Think I know what it's about. Did you have a secret lover in your past? So many years ago. I can tell because your heart is beating fast. Is it someone I know? I see it now, our lives are changing From childish dreams to new ideas And there's no time to think of others But Certain things you realize 
Thanks for listening to this episode of AMP, Australian Music Podcasts. Our main sources for these special AMP podcasts are essentially our fading memories and quite erratic music industry experiences. But there's always invaluable material from writers such as David Nichols, Ian McFarlane, Glenn A. Baker, Anthony O'Grady and the Miles Ago website.